Hey there. You are listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. As always, I'm Thomas, the host uh, and the dude behind Niagara Moon. This is a podcast I do primarily for my fans. Welcome back, Moondog. Uh, or if you are new to this whole thing, this is your first time listening, we often discuss uh, interesting albums, typically albums that we like. Uh, in the case of this week, I really have a fondness for this album, The Final Cut, by the one and only Pink Floyd. Although we get into why it's kind of weird to think of this as a Pink Floyd album for, for more than a few reasons. Uh, and I got, uh, it's it's a good episode today. What can I tell you? We got Dan Barracuda, my usual cohort. He's uh, joining me today. He's uh, an amazing songwriter in his own right. And then I got Joe. Uh, if you listen to my podcast from uh, a couple months back at this point, chatting with a fan. Joe is uh, is a Niagara Moon fan. Uh, he's a supporter on Patreon, but also just an extremely uh, knowledgeable dude on uh, on classic rock music, for lack of a better term. Uh, but anyway, we, we got Joe on here too. Uh, the three of us, we, we had a really fun chat about this album. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a caveat. The we, There was a little technical difficulty, and uh, I would say the first two-thirds of Joe's audio has this really weird effect on it that I wasn't able to take out. Um, I hope it doesn't bother you too much. You, you are going to notice it pretty much from the get-go, but... Uh, in the words of Robert De Niro from The Irishman, it's what it is. So don't let it distract you from the uh, wonderful insights and uh, contributions that Joe has to offer. He really knows his stuff far more than Dan and I, I would say. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a fun time. We're, we're going to get into it here. Uh, lastly, I just want to say if you feel inclined to support the podcast in any small way, please feel free to write a uh, review or leave a rating on your platform of choice, preferably iTunes. It does help uh, give the pod a boost. And uh, check out the Niagara Moon Patreon if you're, if you're curious for what's going on there. Anyway, without further ado, we're talking Roger Waters' The Final Cut. All right, so I might as well go ahead and say this is the Niagara Moon Podcast. We have an awesome episode today. I'm once again joined by Dan Barracuda. All right, what's up, guys? And uh, we also have Joe back on here again. How you doing, Joe? Doing all right, thank you. Thank you so much for having me back on. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about Pink Floyd, which is a topic we've we've broached at least in one episode past, but... Uh, we all like Prague. We all like Pink Floyd. Hell yeah. And uh, we all like nerding out about music. So I think this is going to be a good one. Now, my, my first question is, Joe, you listen to this music on three different mediums. Uh, which one was the most enjoyable and why? So, like, I, in the end, I have I, I was prepared for Spotify just for the whole uh, convenience of the, of the yeah. thing. Um, but honestly, listening to on vinyl, which it was uh, the original release oh. of the vinyl, so uh, wow. I always just get original records. It was interesting because that one didn't have When the Tigers Broke Free. <gasps> no. Um, because, and here's the thing, right? Like, so they that one, if I remember right, I forget the year exactly. It was in the 2000s of the re-release when they actually popped that into the track listing. Yeah. And when the Tigers Broke Free is a really good track and it transfers really well from possible pasts as far as like a slow built into the other one so it's really mm -hmm. weird to get from that into um i forgot the track after that but it, it gives it an almost a different narrative um the hero's return a hero's return yes like i like that one because I the like hero's return like the first note in it it's almost like a crack of a whip it's like yeah um and it's it's an interesting parallel from that, but then there's also the point where like you have to physically flip it over from side A to side B, 
And like uh, that's sort of underrated because I feel like the, where it divides because it ends with um, well, excuse me, it starts up again with uh, Fletcher Memorial Home and Take Your Filthy Hands Off My Desert. Yeah, and I think that that's a really good two different sides of the story. So I think that whole experience made made that listen to this vinyl uh, to this that's album. Cool. That's the cool. best in my opinion. Mm. But mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, one thing I, I really observed uh, revisiting the album this week, um, it's a movie. Like, it's a cinematic experience, kind of much in the way The Wall is, and really demands your attention. Like, I, f- I feel like I'm either totally listening to this album or... I'm, or you're missing or, out. Or I'm totally mm-hmm. missing out. Yeah, there's it's one or the other, really. Yeah, I mean, I love how that, I love how Pink Floyd does that, and I know that's Roger, right? Wanting like the guns and the yelling and like in the distant chatter, you know, it's like it's like another brick in the wall. From, yeah, it's mm-hmm. so cool. It's like it's such like an auditory theatrical experience. Yeah, theatrical movie. Yeah, I guess I, I thought I might get to this point later, but since you said uh, Pink Floyd likes doing that, Dan, the whole time I listened to this, I was like, this is not a Pink Floyd album. It's 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 a Roger Waters. It's a Roger is. Waters album, and it really it. I can. I, I feel like David's so checked out. Well, yeah, he had no room, and uh, <laughs> this. I was is, reading up about it. Yeah, no, there there's a whole lore to get into, but it's just my first thought was, man, this is the work of one artist, like one person. There's reprises mm-hmm. and tie-ins and references, and it's so personal. It's like this could not. This isn't a band album this is this is the work of one man but so is the wall so is the wall but i feel like roger gave them all like they were all excited about the wall yeah and this kind of feels like they weren't excited about the final cut well i mean they they got rid of the keyboardist right that's a great way why'd they get rid of richard i know and nick mason like some of the songs he's not even playing drums on he was kind of i feel like roger was like go go over there and work on the sound effects keep you busy (laughs) And then mm-hmm. Dave Gilmore has just dropped in like a, like a like a, a tone or a setting in certain songs, yeah. rather than really putting his own, being able to put his own personality into it. So it's, it stuck out to me on this lesson. Listen more than many any others I've had. Maybe he only sings lead. Gilmore usually sings lead on the majority of songs on an album, but doesn't he only sing lead on one song? I, Not now, yeah. John. John. Yeah, where he sounds he angry sounds awesome. as hell. Yeah. He sounds so good. Oh, I'm like, uh, it's so nice to finally hear his voice when that song comes on. I'm no, like, no, yes, no, John. I, just, uh, I love the vocal melody and his 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 attitude, and it's awesome. And that's a great song too. Like just in general, like uh, like the the kind of choral background voices for the like to reinforce some of the lyrics on that. Yeah. Uh, Stuff all that. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I mean, I saw on the track listings too that uh, Roger even did like the acoustic guitar. So really, it's only the electric guitar that David has. Yeah. And then he gets like he gets the time to shine in places like Not Now John and uh, Fletcher Memorial Home, like those two dope guitar solos. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, so nice to hear. But it's definitely, and I, I double confirm that too, Thomas. That uh, Nick, I think for at least one song, he just wasn't even the drums. Like it was either their session guitarist, or, excuse me, their session drummer. Yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, two suns in the sunset has a weird like time change thing going on, so mm-hmm. they had yeah. to to get somebody else in. Yeah, it's uh, I. So my two thoughts going through my head was, wow, I love this album, and there's so much to dig into here. And also like, this isn't a, as a Pink Floyd album. This is a weird kind of doesn't feel like Pink Floyd. Unwelcome really. outlier. Yeah, it's uh, it's it was an interesting time for for all parties involved. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. It's the wall. It's like the, it's the second part to the wall, right? And and I was reading how it has a lot of songs that were like not good enough to be on the wall. And David Gilmore was like, he was like, why, why, if they weren't good enough for the wall then, like, why are they good yeah. enough now? Like, they're not good enough songs. Like, but he just didn't like the songs. They're they're, yeah. It's it's weird, and it's even weird comparing it to the wall because in some ways it's a very similar thing with like the Roger Waters show, but. The wall still feels like invitational or still collaborative somehow in a way where the final cut just feels like like the bitter end could be an mm. I don't know. It's it's it gets even more personal to Roger and unique to him and his experiences 
rather than like talking about the rock star lifestyle. Um, but I guess Roger was like, well, where are your songs? And Gilmore's yeah. like, he's like, and he, he says in an interview, he's like, I admit, like, I, I'm like a little lazy when it comes to songwriting. And like, I just didn't have any material at that time. And I just didn't have it yet. But he wanted to get going on an album. But where would there have been room on an album like this for anything except, like I said, this yeah. is the Roger Waters suite. This is his symphony. Like, there's mm-hmm. no room for, for that. Really. It's almost like he rode with that. He like knew Gilmore was lazy. So he's like, all right, well, we got to make an album. So you don't have any songs. So let's go. Like, I have songs. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think they spoke to it just as much as that, too. He's like, well, I mean, I didn't have anything. So we just kind of ran with it. And then, and I know, too, I, I forget whether it was intentional or not, but I know they never, they definitely never told to the album yeah and then around that time too came the whole legal battle of roger officially leaving and him suing them for the name of pink floyd and insane so so what happened that happened in 85 but the album was released in 83 so what happened right after the album was released they did not tour at all uh, they all hated each other and stayed yeah. away from each other <laughs> wow. <laughs> well i didn't even know this too because i i'm a i'm a huge waters fan uh and i have like his solo albums and all that mm. stuff and i didn't realize by this time i think nick mason himself was on like his second solo work so yeah, like they've been yeah. doing a lot of stuff on their own uh and i think after this is when gilmore did his first solo um but yeah it's it's starting i mean to say that the cracks were starting to form during final cut is probably a little bit they've been there for a minute <laughs> yeah that's when the roof fell in yeah it started and and wish you were here or animals probably oh really uh, do you think like the wall tour was that bad for them i feel like signs probably were there i mean that like like we've been kind of alluding to i think the wall is when rogers started to be like this is my show now i think one of the big clues to that too is stuff like the trial where like i'm a voice for different people in this song yeah um which right. I it's absolutely, his own little show it's it's yeah. how you come into that uh-huh which like i absolutely love like one of the yeah. things i'll talk about too in final cut is how many like how versatile rogers voice is oh yeah um but i love his voice but like uh like you were kind of saying earlier dan you don't really hear a lot of gilmore the more and more it gets further on into this this direction and then from the wall where it's like okay so he's on you know run like hell uh comfortably numb he's on a few songs here he's really just shows up for i would say half or three quarters of not now john and nothing else yeah so it's he's i think he's slowly been taking over since the wall um so yeah and maybe even since animals but and uh i i still like not now john but do you do either of you feel that it's even an outlier on this album like it sounds like it's, yeah, it's in a different out, place yeah. than the rest of the album yeah kind of mm-hmm. sticks out absolutely they're like when you think of like classic rock um duos like hating each other like i think they're like the worst huh waters and gilmore uh like, who, like him I, I rogers roger waters telling him i'm gonna leave the band but you can't do the band anymore and i'm gonna try to take legal action against you for that that's pretty bad i feel like that you don't often bad. see that level yeah. yeah they're like one of the worst like just hate each other yeah it's just decades mm-hmm. after the fact too at decades least on, after on even though over corona even over covid in 2020 remember like the whole video with roger being like yeah well you know just oh. talking to the talking to his phone yeah that i shared with you yeah that was that was pathetic people are commenting like this is like watching my parents argue oh geez oh god you know what's funny? Because uh, I I grew up with uh, like listening to Pink Floyd and being uh, such younger, I was I had to choose sides. So for the longest time, I denied myself any of Gilmore's wonderful musicianship because I, I'm like mm. Roger hates David, so I gotta hate David too. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and then I love them both. No, for sure. Over time, I'm yeah. like, dang, like he's a fantastic musician, but it's so wild that their their hatred for each other got so deep. It's yeah. Do you like On an Island? You know what's funny? That's my first Gilmore um, solo album that I purchased. I remember buying the CD, the weird soft CD that he put out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I did. Uh, it, it definitely it, it made me stop and think like, okay, so let me see what he's going with here and then kind of retroactively try to put that in like, okay, so is this what he brought to Floyd when he was in Floyd? That's what I'm um, saying. It's it's kind of like McCartney. It's almost like McCartney and Lennon. Like Lennon was like the soul and the edge and like the lyrics and the, and the depth. 
and and then McCartney was a lot of like the beauty, mm-hmm. like it was like the beautiful voice, and you know, and I feel like with Gil- Gilmore is like the beauty of Floyd, like the beautiful sounds of Floyd. It's the guitar and it's his voice, and then and then um, Waters is like the Lennon, like the the dark, he's, the the depth. He's and the, the architect of all the the themes and imagery and icons so that's, and message, yeah. kind of. Yeah, and the solo music. And in solo music, Gilmore's it's like it's like McCartney's solo music. It's like kind of light. Just trying it's to like have lighter. Fun. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's beautiful sounding, and it's like lighter. Yeah, the but division Rogers bell. Is like, I love the division bell. Yeah. I love high hopes. Oh man, I love high hopes. Mm-hmm. And marooned, learning to fly is awesome. Yeah, that's that's one's. Uh, I think of the two post. Uh, well, excuse me. There's three because they had that weird third one. I forget. Oh one. yeah. Uh, yeah. Of the three post uh, Waters Floyd albums, I think "Momentary Lapse of Reason" is my favorite. But I just love the, I like the iconography, the imagery from Division Bell. Yeah. Yeah. See, I thought I thought when they, I, I it's cool. Like really, I just like growing up because before, like when I was younger, I thought, and I didn't know, I didn't get my ears straight, but I thought that Pink Floyd broke up, and then. Roger Waters made the final cut and Gilmore made the division bell. That makes more sense. And it makes sense because yeah. it's like the final cut and then the division bell and the way they each say it. Like it's like Roger Woods would call it the final cut yeah. and then Gilmore would call it the, <laughs> the division, division bell. bell. Yeah. But now it's like, wait, they were actually released like nine years apart from each other mm-hmm. and the final and Gilmore was actually in the final cut. So Yeah. But man, oh man, it's, yeah, it's, if, so I, I got into Pink Floyd in middle school, as you do. They're a perfect like intro to kind of headier rock music. And, you know, I loved Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals. The Wall was different, but I still enjoyed it in a similar way. But then you get to the final cut, and to my ears at that time, and then with the ex- expectations I had going in, knowing all these other albums, I was, I was totally lost. I mean... This is a very different kind of experience, and he's talking about geopolitical affairs, and uh, <laughs> it's not—it's a very sober, somber experience, unlike anything else they did. Everything else is, even if it's not fun, it's very trippy and kind of murky and, and off kilter, and, and uh, this this one is just like. This is like a, it sounds like a funeral yeah. a lot of the time. Mm. It's, it's an epitaph. He's got a very somber voice throughout the whole thing, Waters. It's a very delicate uh, vocal performance, and especially in certain things like Southampton Docks. Yeah. Um, and even the, the kind of uh, delicacy that shows up sometimes in like The Gunner's Dream, which then immediately gets contrasted with his harsh vocals where he holds out that one note that fades directly into like the brass. Sax. The sax yeah. Oh my God. Uh, that was so cool. What song is that on? to the dream. That's the best moment in the album. It really is. That's the best. I was like, whoa, I hadn't heard it. <laughs> I hadn't heard it before. This album is like the music that plays at the end of the movie where the bad guys win. It's yeah. like, it's so, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's the sound of defeat in some way. Right, yeah. And that's it's interesting, too, because to, to kind of piggyback off of uh, your reflections on, on kind of uh, starting off with Floyd, I started in middle school as well. I guess that's a thing. Um, <laughs> we all and, have the T-shirts. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. We all have the dark side tie-dye shirt. It was a oh, great yeah. time. Um, but, uh, and then when I, I feel like it took me until a little bit later in life to fully, to fully appreciate and get final cut. Uh, I remember growing up, my favorite track was, um, the titular final cut. Um, I think just because of some of the themes inside of it and it speaks to some like angst. But then as I grew up, Gunner's Dream became my favorite just because of the mm. instrumentality in it. And then yeah. I really grasped like the storytelling in the album. Because I think so, for better or worse, albums like The Wall, like it's a really straightforward story. Um, like you, like it's, it's not like spoon fed to you, but it's definitely like, here's a part one, here's a progression through the story. I think this one, it's, uh, it's, kind of winds throughout different perspectives and different you know peoples and i th- i like how it ended up uh going that way what is what is the plot of the final cut like what can you like what is it can you say it in like a few sentences like what is the gist of it the story 
Mainly war. Mainly talking about war, right? Anti-war. and uh, It's Roger Waters getting on a soapbox and saying what's wrong with everything in the world. Right? <laughs> yeah, war. Uh, the, the Falkland yeah. Islands debacle had happened where uh, Britain just had a really Stature. aggressive response to Argentina over some conflict. and uh, But just also seeing the 80s unfold, and I think that was a really dark time for the UK and... and um, just society being less supportive of itself, like less empathy in the world. Uh, what happened to the post-war right. dream? We had such high hopes for how we could improve our, our lives and our society after World War II. And was it just all for nothing? Like, what did my dad die for? Uh, this is no. a bunch of crazy nonsense now. And what, what are we doing politically? I, he's he's just in that mode the whole time, you know. Have, uh, have either of you seen the the music videos that were out for this uh, album? I haven't. I, I heard there was a short film. There's right? there's a short film that basically, and it's interesting because it doesn't. So if you watch the whole short film, which people sometimes break up into individual music videos, it doesn't follow the track listing. Hmm. Oh wow. Um. So if I remember right, because I watched it again last night, I think it starts with starts with Gunner's Dream. And then I think it goes to because it's only it's not the whole album either. I believe it goes to Gunner's starts with Gunner's Dream. Uh, oh wow! Then I think it goes to I think it goes to Fletcher's. Then it goes to Final Cut. Then it goes to Not Now John or something along those lines. It might go. Oh, excuse me. I think it goes Gunner's Dream, Final Cut, Fletcher's, Not Now John. Um, but it features and apparently this was one of the intents uh, at some point it features the same actor who played uh, the teacher in the music videos and the movie oh. for the wall. So um, he's this, that's why uh, earlier I alluded to the fact of like, there's two stories in here. So the first side, the A side, the vinyl stops at, yeah. um, stops at paranoid eyes. And the layout that I read when I was reading up on it is like one of the few, um, intro to the story: Hero's return is him like laying in bed with the uh, with his wife and being like not being able to relate. Gunner's dream is flashing back to wow. what happened. He was part of this battalion that got shot down, and he was like one of the lone survivors. So he's thinking of those that left behind. And in the music video, he's haunted by like the ghost of a soldier that appears like on a bridge and everywhere around mm. him. Um, and then gun- and then paranoid eyes is him slipping yeah. into alcoholism. Um, and then that's the end of that side of the story. And then it flips over and it starts up with Fletcher Memorial, which I think is more of a overarching idea, um, which Fletcher Memorial, yeah. I'm also listening to it in these times is interesting, oh, but it's kind of depressing how much of the album, how many of the themes and ideas like so <laughs> resonate still like God mm-hmm. is anything different in 40 years, a place to stay Enough to eat. <laughs> to eat. <laughs> oh man, he sounds so good in uh, in the title track. Like when he's yelling, mm-hmm. like, he has he has different timbres. Of... He's so so impassioned throughout this whole thing. He's so fired up. No one so kills the children anymore. And and right when that lyric that you just said too, because he he enunciates so well and it's so delicate and no one kills the children anymore and then it goes right into yeah. night after yeah. night yeah. so it goes right from there's so much jump yeah. from such a, a delicate and, and gentle handling and then in the end of that song and again the spoken like in the corner of some form while he's like screaming in the background as it slowly fades out while you still hear that guttural scream almost like the plane going down I'm like yeah, his such vocal range. A huge element of this album is like orchestral and the dynamics that come from classical music, like intense yeah. dynamics. I have a feeling a big uh, part of the sound, a, a person to thank. I just, I have a suspicion it's it's Michael Kamen, who oversaw like all the oh. orchestral arrangements and co-produced the album and was a mediator mm. between Waters and Gilmore. Like I, I bet. A lot of the sonics of this album are are that dude at work, because yeah, it sounds more like an orchestra than a rock band in a lot of points. Yeah. And Gilmore just fundamentally just isn't nearly as political as as a Waters, and he just didn't yeah. like that. It was all about it. His his father didn't die in yeah. World War Two. Can you imagine yeah. not only 
All right, so you have this tragic thing where your your father dies in this war and the whole way that unfolded and you grew up with with that and the the absence of the father and you get to a point in your musical career you're singing about that in detail uh for like the next album and there's with an orchestra and like your career is riding on it like what a emotionally intense place to be in that's and that's yeah that's just mm-hmm. nothing like the trip that the other members were on i have to think yeah it's a good point i mean to some extent even if they were to be like okay i want you all hands on deck no one probably could have connected with this album in a way that waters right. would have same with the what about the wall though the wall is super waters personal yeah but you got songs yeah. like young lust like that that's about like the rock star <gasps> journey kind of you know who, 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 who didn't have abusive teachers in in like british you know prep school or whatever back in that like yeah, that there's there more universal universalness yeah in the wall like there's a lot going on with that versus this is just it goes between roger's life story and just what he thinks is wrong with everything in the world <laughs> it's so personal mm-hmm. in that way it's comfortably numb about waters doing heroin Joe, you, you got an answer to that? Uh, I, uh, I have no idea. Uh, I, I, it's about, actually, that one's pretty personal to Waters. Not about heroin, but just, the story is there. Uh, Pink, Floyd's, Pink Floyd fans will know, and they're probably just yelling at us right now. But that's about yeah, they are. Uh, mm-hmm. like treatment that Roger Waters had to receive as a child when he was ill and how when he had to take some sort of tranquilizer or something to be able to go on stage uh, in his current modern rock star life, like he was ill, but just the show must go on. So he's taking something so that he can just play the show. It's reminding him of how when he was uh, in poor health as a kid, he got all whacked out on something then. And and just and just the idea of having to rely on a substance to get by. Like he, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't think he ever had a, uh, a serious drug problem. Uh, like in the way that many other rock dudes do, rock but he was—he was, he was yeah. kind of talking about how that's a trap. He's no Nikki Six, man. He's no Nikki Six. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like the wall. There's a lot of places to come into, uh, even if you're not totally on yep. the Roger Waters trip. But this is just like it, this is his movie, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, but it helps that he is a brilliant poet and observer with a lot of this and like. Now, this whole thing would fall so flat if he wasn't just so good at what he's doing here because it's all mm-hmm. riding on that. Um, I don't know. What, so, yeah, what do you guys uh, – does this even either relative to the rest of Pink Floyd's music or on its own, what uh, what do you really get out of this? Because there is a lot to, to dig into. What are some of your, your favorite aspects of it? My favorite aspects of it – I mean, the so to kind of piggyback on what you just said, it's almost the poetry of the lyrics. Maybe it's just yep. how they're delivered. It's definitely yeah. kind of in that kind of a cadence, which I really like and appreciate. Vocal delivery. Exactly. Waters was actually always my favorite uh, of the two vocalists. I always really dug his, uh, his enunciation, his tone. So I kind of immediately loved that portion of it. Um, as I as I got on uh, earlier, some of my favorite songs were like "Not Now, John" and "Final Cut" because of some of the like uh, harder portions of it. More "Not yeah, Now, John." The rock moments. Yeah, but then as I got older, I learned to appreciate and love sort of the how yeah. that vocal softness in portions was complemented by the orchestral backing. So it's yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, I think those are some of the parts that I like and. Also, that as I got older, I got to appreciate some of the somber tone that that they brought as far as different uh, war motifs. But I'd say it's probably my yeah. Top I want to hear five. your top I was five. I about that earlier. I have a weird top five. No one no one agrees with my top five. Uh, Pink Floyd top five. So I well I I know I already told you this, Thomas, but my number one and it falters sometimes, but I usually come back to Saucer wow. Full of Secrets as my number one. That is unusual, wow. yeah. which is very <laughs> weird to most people. I. I just love I, I love a lot about Saucerful, and I can go on about it for a hot minute. It's yeah, like that yeah. nice weird sweet spot between Sid and Gilmore's mm-hmm. eras, and I don't know. But Saucerful, Animals, um, Final Cut, Holy Adam Hart Mother. So that is Adam you're, you're losing me there a little bit too, but that's interesting. I, Holy I love, shit! You are a Floyd. I fan. love Adam Hart Mother. Alan Psychedelic uh, Breakfast is one of my favorite. 
is one of my favorite instrumental tracks of all time. Um, that is a journey, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and then after that, I would probably go the wall. But no, no dark, dark side, side in there. Okay. <laughs> no, you know what? Uh, of like what I always called the big three, which were dark side, wish, and wall. Uh, yeah. Dark side was always the bottom of that big three. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's definitely. Yeah, that, I mean, it's up there. If I were to go on, it would probably be not long after. I would maybe even say number six. Right. But no endless river. No, no, <laughs> no, uh, no obscured by clouds. No. <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about obscured by clouds. That's the le- that's the Floyd album. Ironically, you you mentioned endless river. I know more about endless river than I know about obscured by clouds. Uh, <laughs> by clouds was released the year before dark side. It was it was yeah. like a sort of a soundtrack to some French film or something. Yeah. You, was oh, it? is that what it was? Okay. Something like that. Is it all instrumental? Is it all instrumental? No, but it's it's uh, mainly instrumental. It's, there's not you know, hits on there or whatever. Man, speaking um, of instrumental, Umaguma is also a bop. <laughs> Umaguma is a trip. Yeah. yeah. Dude, they have so many albums. But imagine, so you're a Pink Floyd fan and Umaguma and Adam Hart Mother with, with I mean, the Alan Psychedelic Breakfast and that freaking cow on the cover. <laughs> the whole thing is, is like tongue-in-cheek, trippy, uh, like snarky, but very psychedelic and... Mm-hmm. Even as you get darker and more sinister with animals, it's still like it feels, you know, like a con- that the themes of that album feel like a conversation a group of dudes could have, you know, around the bong at three in the morning. Like, yeah, people are like pigs, man, or dogs. <laughs> to such a sharp, abrupt transition to, hey, shouldn't we have done yeah. better as a society? Like, isn't it, that's such a <laughs> right? That's such a sharp curve. Like, it's it's fascinating about- to me, but. Oh my God. Let's not talk about Margaret Thatcher for a bit. (laughs) Yeah. Possible Pasts is a very compelling song to me, and I don't quite know why, because it's not exactly, do you remember me, how we used to be? Don't you think we should be closer? Like, that's such a sad, lonely-sounding song to have. What, the second track on the album? It's just like the sound of defeat. I would argue that's probably now that I think about it, and just hearing your your beautiful rendition, um, <laughs> I think that that might yeah, be the second yeah. hardest rocking song behind that. Now, John. Yeah. yeah. No, the chorus comes in hard with that drum fill too. Yeah. On the organ. What is your What's your top five, Thomas? For Floyd albums, uh, I think I shared it previously on our uh, "Wish You Were Here" versus "Animals" podcast. I'm gonna go. Yeah, you did. Dark side. And then I'm going to go Animals. Oh, what are other ones? Um, I don't know. It fluctuates. Let's put Wish You Were Here on there and then Final Cut and then The Wall. I'm a simple man. Yeah, I'm a little simpler. <laughs> I'm like Dark Side, <laughs> The Wall, Wish You Were Here, Animals. And I don't know. I might even go Division Bell because I, okay. I, love, I love Gilmore. Dude, because I, 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 I'm a guitarist, and, like, Gilmore's my favorite guitarist. And I'm not, like, a deep, deep, deep right, Floyd right. fan. Like, I don't know their Sid Barrett stuff that well. I don't know stuff before. You, just, you oh. want that, that Gilmore I just rock. love that Gilmore tone, that Gilmore voice, that Gilmore tone. Like, just yeah. the soloing, like, time, money. Like, these are, like, incredible solos. So did you enjoy this album then, Dan? Because this, this is... Not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love water so much and I love whatever yeah. he does like it's you know so I so I, I did like it but I just I was like where's Gilmore like where is he? as I like in the first song I was I'm like reading about it and I'm like oh wow okay Gilmore was actually in this album okay where is he where is he where is he oh there's a solo and I didn't really know the solo so it was nice to hear like a Gilmore solo not knowing it I'm like here's like my favorite guitarist yeah. playing a solo that I don't know like tremendously well and then it was just so nice to just hear him and and then when his voice came and not now John, it was just awesome. And but yeah, so that's that's harping on Gilmore. But Waters, I just love his I love his vocals. And I, I'm not good at following lyrics the first few listens, so you know it kind of goes yeah. over my head. Oh a yeah, lot. If it, that's a, the other thing is for the longest time, whenever I put on this album occasionally, and it wouldn't really impress me until I really was like, okay, what's he saying line to line? Like, what story is he telling? And that gave me a whole. It's it's one of those albums where you got to tune in that far with it. Maybe like you know. read along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, read along like the the depiction. Yeah, he's the verisimilitude with like paranoid eyes, 
uh, and how like the sound effects match with the flow of the song and, and uh, yeah, the vocal delivery and then the lyric, it's all you hide, hide, hide. <sighs> dun, dun, yeah, dun, he just dun, talks. He's so yeah. honest. What's, what's, what's so interesting too is, I don't know if it's just because uh, whenever I listen to this album, I usually don't pick out individual songs. If I ever do, nowadays it's usually Gunner's yeah. Dream, but usually whenever I listen to Final Cut, it's usually front mm. to end. I don't know if it's just because there's such an emotional tour de force between the beginning and the end. I usually get burned out by Two Sons in the Sun. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, you're exhausted. Like by that, ti- by yeah. that time, yeah, by that time I'm like, ugh, and then I usually revert to tuning out. I actually did recently for this uh, podcast, I I listened to it along with looking at the lyrics, and I'm like, huh. I have a new appreciation. Oh, for cool! Yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen him live at all, Waters? Yeah. Yes. Wow. How was that? I saw him. It was yeah. fantastic. I saw him recently in the uh, oh. Us Plus Them or however you officially pronounce it tour. Um, I I remember I've been wanting to see him live since high school when he was doing like some other stuff, and I remember he was gonna he did that war. That I saw wall, that one. Uh, yeah. Like revival tour oh, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, it was amazing. Uh, I got the whole, yeah, I got the whole experience with like, uh, so I always kind of likened it to an animal store because he did, he did three, uh, pigs, three of them. He did animals. I don't remember if he did sheep off the top of my head, but those were fantastic. The giant pig that flew around, uh, was wonderful with, uh, at this point, new relevant things written on the side of the pig. Um, it was uh, F Bush. I saw F Bush. So, so four pigs, three of them. We got an entire, we got an entire caricature line of just Trump caricatures that were projected, and it was intense. Um, and then, and then it led into money, which was interluded not just with cash register sounds, but parts of Trump's. Oh God! Wow. As well. um, it was cracks. big. It was big. Uh, yeah. Um, and then the other, my other favorite part. So I, I, uh, I had good seats, but they weren't like floor seats. When, when it came to uh, happiest days of our lives, another brick in the wall part two. Uh, in the whole beginning with the you, yes you, yeah, stand, yeah. stand still, still laddie. Uh, he, laddie. Uh, he had an entire like he had a spotlight just kind of going throughout the arena, and at the end it just fixated on one person. I can only assume randomly wow. chosen. And that person was just losing their <laughs> mind, and then Roger delivered the l- delivered the line like "you, you, yeah. and then the man of assuming having his entire his entire year made being yeah. yelled at by Roger <laughs> to stand still. You can't eat your meat. Oh my god! Don't get any pudding. <laughs> How can you have any <laughs> pudding? And you can't eat your meat. <laughs> wow. Oh jeez. Yo, okay. Now that we're I mean, since we're talking about Floyd, have you guys seen the the um? Wizard of Oz thing, yeah. synced up. <laughs> it's it's fucking crazy, guys. I, I tried crazy. it. I'm sorry, man. I, I, okay, no. Here's the thing. There's a YouTube video out there uh, of it of it synced up, but I didn't sit down and watch it. In the comments, in the comments, a guy has like 25 oh, okay. like timestamps, and they're all mind blowing, dude. And there's like three or something that's like. I take that back. There, there aren't three. I feel like all twenty are like. Well, you know, it was intentional the whole time that that they structured the whole album around that. <laughs> I remember uh, hearing about that for the first time in high school, and then being very gung ho to be like, "All right, we're gonna play the album. Yep, we're gonna I tried watch it. it." And then, like maybe twenty minutes. Yeah, then maybe twenty minutes. in, I'm like, I'm a lazy man. I got bored. <laughs> yeah, no. Actually, I would never. I would never watch it like the whole thing. I just went to the timestamps, and fair. it's it's really really crazy. So that's the same band as what made this album the final cut, and that's what I keep not being right. able to get over. The same like, band that made, uh, well, I know, I don't know how, I know, Dan, you said you weren't as familiar. I was going to say the same band that made things like Arnold Lane and Lucifer Oh, God, Sam. yeah, that too. Or I've got a bike, you can ride it if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez, I've got a mouse and he hasn't got a mouse. <laughs> This set the tone for the rest of Roger Waters' solo career entirely, I would say. Oh, for sure. I was going to say, I think around now, because I, like I said, I'm a big Waters fan, so I have, I own all of his albums on CD and a couple on vinyl. I think right now he was about to do Radio Chaos, mm. um, which is probably my favorite of his solo albums, but that's another one 
that deals with uh, war themes, albeit in a more science fiction-y kind of a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if either of you have heard Radio Chaos. No, I but, haven't. Um, um, I've heard... What's the one that has, like, what God wants... God gets amused to God death. help us all. Yeah, amused God to death. I, I checked out a little bit back in the day. That's a good one. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, but no, absolutely. Especially when you listen. I feel like if you listen to, if you take a lot of time, I guess, and listen to like Final Cut with Floyd albums and Final Cut with Roger's solo yeah. work, it definitely fits more into the latter than the former. Way more. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but I still appreciate Final Cut the most as uh it it has roger's messaging all over this and it kind of it's in like in line with his mission but there's more musicality and like musically interesting moments with this album that i feel i don't get really as much with the rest of his own solo project like it almost becomes too mission driven um oh for for me so it's interesting how this like walks that line i think there was enough I don't know if I could even say Floyd influence because, like you said, their their touch on the album was so faint. But maybe just because it was under that, it was definitely mm-hmm. more, you know, in more parts, in some parts more than others for like Not Now John and uh, and such. But when he got away from fully using Floyd, he definitely leaned more into that theatrical poetic mindset. Uh, and it got a lot more oddly conceptual yeah. too. Now I'm thinking of like pros and cons of hitchhiking, where every where every song had a timestamp of like when you could <laughs> it's a listen whole story. To it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's his most recent one. Uh, right? Pros and cons of hitchhiking is the second... first true uh, Water solo album, like back in the mid '80s. Is it? Okay, I think I might have got it mixed up. Oh. I think pros and cons is what he was going to off of this. What's his recent one called? The recent one's like, is this the world uh, we really want? Yeah, yeah. I got that on vinyl when I saw him live because I was very yeah, excited. That's awesome. I saw him live twice. Mm. He puts on a show. Oh, he does. Does he wear like the trench coat and the sunglasses and stuff? Listen, I was I was so behind. I was I was blindly following anything that he could. Thank goodness I didn't have the funds to get a trench coat for myself because I would have. <laughs> He said some dickish things, wow. though, huh? Like to, to about, about oh, the other sure. members. Like I think I remember him saying, "I think I hope it was a real quote." But actually, I don't hope it was a real quote because he was talking about Gilmore. He's like, "Anyone can play guitar." Like it's like writing that's like the real talent. <laughs> He's like saying that like, like the best guitar player ever. Anyone it's, can play guitar. <laughs> uh, he he goes off the rails in the weirdest ways. He's he's a uh, he's an interesting but prickly man a little bit. Very, very. so i feel like the sound effects getting back to this album specifically i i mean even if it was perhaps minimal compared to the amount of work that went on in other areas the the sound design work on this album really helps uh like captivate me listening to it and really like gives that more immersive experience like the the use of like ambient noise and crowd noise and i mean it, it kind of harkens back to what they did on dark side of the moon with people saying things just out of context and them sprinkling the the quotes into the music but mm-hmm. like uh, the pub noises on paranoid eyes and yeah. all the the sounds of war I re- all of that i thought like i hadn't remembered just how like cleanly and uh, pristinely that that had been done for this album i hear yeah. i hear a musical um motifs that sound like stuff off the yeah. wall, like some, some some things sound like the thin ice, like boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, a lot of the same kind of templates. And I heard yeah. the da 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 in the chorus of "Comfortably Numb," the arpeggios. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Oh, totally right. Yeah, in the final. I hear like the wall, like sprinkled. Yeah, like musically. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't. I never even made that connection. I like as soon as you imitated it, I'm like. That's final cut. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I really wonder what it was like in the studio. Like Gilmore's just like checked out. Just like, didn't we, didn't we reject this already? Come on. So do you guys yeah. know the story of Richard White? Like why did they, they kick him out or he left or for that album or what? And and then. I don't know the details. I think he just left. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know it to, to speak directly on it, but from my understanding, it was just him being like, I'm not gonna, not gonna be moving forward. And I know Nick was like half out the door. Uh, yeah, I don't know. 
I was just going to say, I didn't even realize as a kid how few members of Floyd were super influential on this band. Like, when I went into it, I'm just like, huh, band's taking a new, a different turn. And then <laughs> later on, I realized, like, oh, it's basically just rock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they all hate each other. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll forget about just Pink Floyd, period, or, like, the band or the idea of the band while I'm listening to this particular album. I just get caught up in like the personal stories and the, like the observations about society. Like I'm just firmly there versus any other album of theirs. I feel that through line more of their discography and their psychedelia and stuff here. This is just like an isolated incident. Yeah. Like God, when the tigers broke free, that, that gives me goosebumps every time in an mm-hmm. entirely different way than I get listening to, uh, to any other album of theirs. And that ties in nicely too, again, with other wall motifs. And I, I, Maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but that feels like probably the closest. And I might be outside influenced by the fact that it was in the wall movie. Um, but like the like even the slow hum of I don't know if it's in a full like choir, but the the oh yeah, like the ominous yeah like, military sound at the beginning. And that just is like in a few places in the walls in the wall too, not even just in things like bring the boys back home and uh, other such. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah is it is it weird or is it accurate to think of this album almost like the wall's little brother like what what's the, the, the situation there? Like yeah <laughs> yeah i will say that's one of my favorite things too the album art on it like how much it references the wall with the mm. whole military and uh, memorial paraphernalia with the poppy and the three uh accolades making the bricks basically Wow, um, yeah. Like, I think that's really interesting. And I mean, if there was ever any indication of, like, is it really connected to the wall? I'm like, well, the album's basically, the cover's basically an homage. Oh, yeah, so, let's talk about the cover of the album. Apparently, I read, too, not just for the cover, but for the uh, for the photography in general within it. I, I heard that they didn't use their usual photographer. They used someone else. They didn't use Thurgood. They used, uh, I forget the name, but uh, you might have to fact check me on that, but... I know that might be another thing that Roger was like, oh, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to take uh, this photographer. Yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I love the I love the symbolism on it and throughout. Do you know what what it is? What what those what those patterns what are? What the accolades are? Yeah. Um, let me see because I feel like Okay, I actually have it up because I was doing a little bit of research here too. Um, the poppy is a recurring theme. The front covers the front cover shows a remembrance poppy and four Second World War medal ribbons against the black fabric of a jacket or blazer on which they are worn. From left to right, the medals are the 1939 to 1945 star, the Africa star, the Defense Medal, and the Distinguished Flying Cross. Um, and then I, it, there's confirmation and there's a link. I'm not sure what they're referencing, but Storm, Thorm, Storm Thurgison, a founding member of Hypnosis, uh, was passed over for the cover design. Instead, Waters created the cover himself using photographs taken by his brother-in-law. He's getting uh, his family involved. So like he's just pushing everybody else out. The full <laughs> title. We didn't cover this yet. The full title of this album is "The Final Cut: A Requiem for the Post-War Dream" by Roger Waters. What are you doing here, dude? Oh, We're yep. trying, you know, do your what own you thing. What, what oh is this? Uh, We're still a Pink Floyd band. Holy shenanigans cow. here! And I will say too. Now they bring that up when I was watching that little. It's it's nineteen minutes. The the whole like music video, like uh, I don't know what you would call it, like a small yeah. mini soda or whatever. Uh, but at the end, that's how they refer to it: the Wall, the Requiem for the Postwar Dream by Roger Waters. Um. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. What a unique just happenstance. This whole album. Just it's really I, there's not a lot of other albums in existence that you can kind of compare either just musically or thematically or what was going on behind the scenes. It's uh just a very unique instance. Mm-hmm. Which yielded a very unique and beautiful album too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a, the catch is it's there's a lot of behavior here and, and creative like ways of going about being creative and collaborative that are just not very questionable to say the least, but the, the end result, it's like, was it all worth it? I mean, this just has such a beautiful, unique tone to it. 
and enough of the Floyd energy to distinguish it from just as purely solo releases. Like it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, it's, it's has a unique beauty to it and just like a, <laughs> an oblique bleakness though, too. Do you think you try to like go big on the album? Like the wall, obviously it's a double album and it was like a big deal. It's got a whole show, but like the final cut, did he ever, does he ever like play the final cut songs live? They didn't tour for it, but like, you know, I, know. I later on in his solar solo career, like he, he brought back songs like two sons in the sunset um, for his live show, really? yeah. So it's it's he hasn't ignored it altogether, but I'm, it's 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 in a weird place because the wall is just like that's his magnum opus, and he you know how are you going to forget the wall? And then beyond that, he wants to move into solo career land, and this just is kind of sitting in the middle. Like I'm sure he yeah. has a lot of kind of weird feelings yeah. about this time, you know, despite how, how wonderful the music is. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people involved would have weird feelings about this album. But, yeah, it's interesting because I never thought to... I would love to see him play something like, you know, Gunner's Dream or something like yeah, that live. Yeah. The final yeah. cut is a beautiful ballad. I mean, a lot of, yeah. a lot of strong moments. Um, okay. Well, I think we might be winding down a bit. How, how about we go around and uh, if you had to sum up this album in three words, what words would you use to describe it? I would say personal, theatrical, and Roger. <laughs> Roger and Waters and not Dave Gilmore. <laughs> Roger Sands Gilmore. <laughs> uh, how about you, Joe? Jeez. <laughs> um, let's say, oh man, my first my first word was orchestral. Yeah. Past that was, I'm trying to think of something along the lines of, like, allegorical or some kind of, like, a... We'll go with allegorical. Yeah. And then we'll go bleak. Yeah. Yeah, I I would go uh, with angry, war, and isolation, maybe. Mm. Yeah, but but I don't... it's, it's, It's a gentler listen than all that terminology might lead you to think like it, 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 it isn't afraid to lull you in too. Yeah. You know what? I'm actually going to swap. I might swap out allegorical because I just thought of the word bittersweet. Bittersweet. And just the album in general, I think is a nice, all everything about it, both from it. the, from like how it was, how it was made, how it sounds, the themes in it. I think bittersweet is a good word. Bittersweet is excellent. Yeah. Wow. wow. Well, I'm glad we, glad we did it. I definitely learned a lot. Yeah, I had a blast. I mean, I I love talking about the album. So, yeah, no, thanks very much, Joe, for for joining us for this. That your your amount of uh, research conducted yes. is very evident. I I, I love this. Yeah, this is a lot of fun to dig into. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, it was great meeting you. All right, that's gonna do it. For this week, next week we're coming in with uh, a different kind of episode. Gonna have a, a very special guest on and talking about my own album, Eating Peaches. How about that? Uh, until then, I hope you have a great rest of your week, peaceful, uh, safe, restful weekend, and I'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>